Einen! He's dead! Peace, knight of the old code. Witness the wonders of an ancient glory. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the Black Case Diaries. Oh, what hey. are you guys doing? <laughs> oh, jeez. We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Robin. I'm Marcy. And I'm Adam. Before Hollywood mastered the use of CGI, entire film projects sat in limbo, hoping for the day when technology would be sufficient to bring their stories to life. Although it was possible to bring gigantic monsters to life through practical effects, like miniatures and animatronics, the process was arduous and expensive. Furthermore, filmmakers feared that audiences would find the use of older technology to be too corny, outdated, and just not real enough. Just not real. Oh, please. Sometimes the new technology doesn't look real either because they rely too heavily on it. Mm -hmm. You know? With each high-budget fantasy or science fiction film of the 80s, the combination of visual and special effects became more seamless. In 1993, when a certain dinosaur film premiered, CGI tricked audiences into believing that prehistoric reptiles could really walk the Earth again. In 1996, this same technology brought another kind of reptile to life. This creature isn't one you will find in your history books. Instead, it comes straight from legend. Oh, but in a way, it might be related to dinosaurs. Maybe. Yeah, Think about it. Possibly. Maybe, maybe a long time ago, people found dinosaur bones yes, and yes. they came up with the idea of dragons. Aha. Of mm-hmm. That's right. Dragon Heart is the reason that many 90s kids fell in love with dragons. It's a beautiful story about the bond of friendship between man and dragon, mixed with the drama of the Dark Ages. In this universe, dragons are highly intelligent and magical beings. They aren't naturally violent or ruled by instinct alone, and they are being ruthlessly killed by humans. Man. A bunch of losers. I don't know. (laughs) Humans are the worst. (laughs) Always. This take on dragons is really unique. The idea that they're really smart. That I mean, dragons are usually cunning, but like- Mm -hmm. Being able to hold conversations and, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like Smaug, but it, mm-hmm. but Smaug is evil and is a hoarder, which is another like right, right. dragon oh, yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, it's common with most dragons. In this mm-hmm. universe, the dragons aren't really like that. They just, they have their own stuff going on. Mm-hmm. They have their own things. Yeah, it's. It's basically like a whole nother civilization just existing at the same time. Their own language. Yeah. 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 With its superb acting, intricate set design, groundbreaking special effects, and breathtaking score, Dragonheart makes a lasting impression. So let's travel back to the 10th century and befriend a dragon. Oh, dude. Yes. I wish that you could do that for real. Yeah, that'd Mm -hmm. be really cool. Like, just to travel back and... Because... There are all these like, but what, what if, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it was so long ago. How, and how did every civilization come up with essentially the same thing? Yeah. Like all of these different things, like way Eastern civilizations, way Western civilizations, all these, like there's still depictions of dragons, at least in some way or some kind of creature that resembles a dragon. It's like, yeah. how did that? That's suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's imagination. Right. (laughs) At the same time. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Could you imagine just going back and it turns out, yeah, 
They were real. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, interesting amazing. how that works. So for those of you who haven't seen Dragonheart, which uh, definitely go see it mm-hmm. if you can find it somewhere. Don't worry about the other ones. Just the first one. <laughs> Here's a synopsis. Bowen is a knight in the 10th century, tasked with training the young Prince Einan in combat. But when a battle leaves Prince Einan fatherless and mortally wounded, Bowen follows the advice of the queen and takes his student to a nearby dragon. The dragon shares his life force with the king-to-be, saving his life. Now healthy and stronger than ever, Einan seizes power over the kingdom and proves to be a ruthless tyrant. Distraught and angry over what Einan has become, Bowen is convinced that the dragon poisoned the boy's heart, and he sets off on a mission to kill the remaining dragons as revenge. All that changes, however, when Bowen meets Draco, who claims to be the last of his kind. Together, they form a partnership, scamming villages into paying Bowen for killing Draco. On their journeys, they come across a monk named Brother Gilbert and a woman named Kara, who convinces Bowen to lead a rebellion against the merciless King Ainan. As the group fights back against the king, Bowen discovers that he must make an impossible choice between freedom for him and his people and his love for Draco. This is kind of a complicated movie, <laughs> so it was a kind of a long synopsis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's but, got a lot going on. So a lot, lot happens in this movie. But it's so awesome. It sounds like yeah. such a cool fantasy story. It is. It's really cool. I love Dragonheart. It's one yeah. of my favorite movies ever, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. I watched it a lot when I was a kid. I mean, just constantly. It was one of the few things that my brother would watch over and over <laughs> again, so... Mm-hmm. You know, that, the animated Hobbit, you know, those were like... <laughs> those All were, up there. Yeah. Right, so. so you ended up eventually... Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I loved this movie. It's it's one of my favorites, and I love dragons. I'm a really, oh, yeah. really yeah. big fan of dragons. Mm-hmm. And I love this version of dragon. I think that it's just so unique and interesting. It's not like anything else, and the story was completely original too, mm-hmm. which I think is really fascinating because most stories about dragons, there's just so much lore behind dragons. Yeah. It's kind right. of hard to make one up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, they really it Draco is kind of a, an amalgamation of all these different <laughs> types of dragon and doesn't really follow any kind of dragon quote-unquote dragon rules right, or anything, right. which is really cool. It's yeah. really unique. Yeah, and in a way, I think it's made an impact on the dragon lore kind of going forward mm-hmm. because since Dragonheart, there have at least been some depictions that I can think of, one in particular in the game Skyrim, mm-hmm. where the villain... <laughs> Of the game is a dragon, right? And there you fight dragons throughout the game. But there's one in particular who, you know, you end up talking to and he's like, I used to be evil, but what's better? Not being born good or overcoming your evil mm-hmm. through effort. And it's like, that's really cool. Yeah. And I don't know if that kind of a character could exist or would have existed without a depiction like Draco because... Otherwise, it would just be a reptile creature yeah. mm-hmm. that would burn villages down and have nothing to say. My favorite kind of dragon is the intelligent yeah. dragon that talks and 
Mm-hmm. I like th- that's that's the kind yes. I like. Yeah, you but, know. So I remember you you were so excited to show me this movie. Yeah, because <laughs> you definitely showed me this one. You were like, yeah, this. I is showed good. it to Adam too. Yeah, same. Beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. There's yes. a lot of really really pretty shots in Dragonheart. Yeah, and it still holds up. You know, oh, mm-hmm. incredibly yeah. well. People yeah. people always talk about Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. and not to say not to, you know, poo poo it. Obviously, yeah, it still holds up very well too, but. But like you cannot yeah, knock on Dragonheart. That nuh-uh. still holds up incredibly well. It's, mm-hmm. it's funny, yeah, because it is like it's not nearly as popular as Jurassic yeah. Park. Yeah, yeah. But it, it it is like it the it, it does hold up pretty well. A character to the level of Draco seems to be, you know, it would be a little bit more difficult to pull mm-hmm. off well than like an animal. Yeah. In the mm-hmm. in the in the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are animals, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, you know, Draco has to have character to him beyond a lot of oh, just so beyond much character. his <laughs> reptilian self, right? Yeah. It's good old reptilian self. So Dragonheart was a film ten years in the making. Holy cow. The original story was written by Patrick Reed Johnson and Charles Edward Pogue, with the screenplay written by Pogue. Pogue also wrote some other films like The Fly from nineteen eighty six. Oh boy. That's a fun one. <laughs> Johnson is actually a visual effects artist that has worked on a lot of projects. It makes sense that a film that required so many state-of-the-art effects would be dreamed up by someone that specializes in the field. By the time that director Rob Cohen was attached to the project, the screenplay had been floating around for several years. Producer Rafaela de Laurentiis held on to the screenplay, waiting for technology to catch up. No one on the team thought that it was possible to create a realistic-looking dragon until Jurassic Park premiered in 1993. It was the seamless blend of practical effects and computer-generated animation that convinced them all that Dragonheart could come to life. That's amazing. That's Just imagine, in, in the back of your mind, you have that screenplay ready. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I'd, I would love to do this. And then you see Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like, it's time. <laughs> Get me those people. We got We've this. got ourselves yeah. a movie to make. It's That's amazing so cool. that Jurassic Park influenced things immediately after coming out, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like, I mean, obviously it's influenced so, so much stuff later on, but even just oh after a couple of years they were yeah. like all right we can do it now <laughs> yeah because they didn't know about the technology mm-hmm, right yeah. the people who did Jurassic Park kind of came up with this like yeah. they had to build it from scratch essentially right and they had mm-hmm. the whole stop motion nature of it and stuff but then finally when it premiered everyone was like well shoot the technology <laughs> exists now everyone wants it yeah. right yeah As director, Cohen made some changes to the story. For example, it was originally meant to take place during the Middle Ages, but he felt the time period was overdone. He decided that if dragons ever existed in Europe, it would likely have been during a more mysterious time, not covered by historians. So he chose the Dark Ages. Yeah, Uh. there's a lot less known about the Dark Ages. So he was like, it's more likely if something like this actually happened, Mm -hmm. it's more likely that it would have happened in a time that we don't really know about. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, medieval times that's so covered that, and there's so Mm -hmm. many movies about it, and and it's so much easier to get things wrong. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, like, if you don't know, it's like, yeah, well. (laughs) 
It's very smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you could get away with mm-hmm. more stuff. You can kind of make up more stuff, and nobody really can tell yeah, you they if can't. you're wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah, they can't be like, no, that wasn't right. Really, <laughs> yeah. cite the source. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you there? Yeah, were you there? <laughs> Cohen also had a lot of say in Draco's mythology. The film mentions the animosity between the Saxons and the Celts. The Celts, characters like Queen Aslan, have been known to honor dragons. The Saxons, like Bowen, either don't care for dragons or actively hunt them. Surprise, surprise. Uh, um, The Saxons are the bad guys. What a shock. Per usual. Yeah, I'm just kidding. But... Yeah, that is, it was interesting that he brought this up, and it, it is kind of, it's. they mention it one time, it's like a throwaway line in the movie, mm-hmm. when they walk in to the dragon's lair, and the queen is trying to get the dragon to yeah. give his heart to Aynan, <laughs> he's kind of like, why? <laughs> why would I do that? Yeah. Yeah. And she, and she like, because she is a Celt, of course, she has red hair. Yeah, and she she you pleads, can immediately. Yeah, tell. yeah, that's how you know. That's how you know. It's a prerequisite. Um, so she pleads with him, and she says, "Like my people are good to you. We're yeah. good. We're good to the dragons. We honor the dragons. Yeah, and this is my son. So yeah, therefore who he will has honor you. Zero right? of my qualities. Yeah. Apparently, exactly. Yeah. He'll be good. He'll learn the old ways. I yeah. promise. Yeah. Cohen drew inspiration from several different depictions of dragons across cultures. In Eastern mythology, dragons can be amphibious and live in water, which is why Draco can swim. Yeah. Chinese dragons are cool. They don't have the big wings. They're long, thin, and and they can swim. Some of them can swim. Some Mm -hmm. of them are water guardians. Some Mm -hmm. of them are sky dragons and they just they literally when they fly they just like it's like they're swimming i just was thinking of like snakes on water you know you see the videos of snakes snakes on water is really cool and i feel like if i lived in ancient times and saw snakes doing that yeah you know i could see how dragons oh for sure would yeah absolutely draco is a far cry from the vicious hoarding dragons of western mythology though he does have the body of a western dragon as he stands upright and has a wide wingspan. In Dragonheart, dragons are made from stardust, which explains why Draco is lighter than air and can breathe fire. Oh, oh, oh what a cool detail. Yeah, he is he is a star. That's why oh, he can breathe yes. fire at any time and because he's able to fly so quickly mm-hmm. and Dude, easily. It's so cool. I love the way they depict that in this yes. movie because yeah. it's just this like I don't know, it feels so visceral. He charges yeah. it up. It's like takes in a huge deep breath and it's just like he kind of lights up a little bit. Yeah, you see it come up oh, through his belly. Freaking and awesome. It's pretty cool. It seems yeah. so dangerous and powerful. It's, it's super cool. <laughs> I love it is a part because this movie isn't this movie isn't all straight face fantasy epic. It, there, it is a little goofy. Yeah. A little goofy. Yeah. And there's a part where he like snorts it with his nose. He like <laughs> he uses his little talon oh, yeah. and he puts it on his nostril and then he just like you know, and then like yeah. the fire comes out one nostril. Dude. And it's so cool. It's so f- <laughs> it's so funny because yeah. it it like lands in like a spot, but it's just on fire now. Yep. Yeah. Right. Whereas when you br- when he breathes fire, it kind of like here's the flame, but it all kind of goes out. It goes out, yeah. Or whatever mm-hmm. he breathed it onto yeah. is now on fire. But like oh when he snorts it out his nose, it's just like a here's a little 
There it is. Plop of fire now. Fire, little yeah. fire. It's, it's great. I think he even burns Bowen's food. He's like, well, I yep. hope. I hope uh, you like it. Well, <laughs> like done. Crispy. well done. Yeah. yeah. Crispy. Crispy. It, it, I also really enjoy the fact then that because he's made from Stardust, he ends up being named after the stars. Yes. Too, yeah. Which was yeah. a nice little Bowen detail. Names to... him. That's such yeah. a funny scene too when he says, you know, what's your name, Dragon? And he <laughs> says, you couldn't possibly pronounce my name. <laughs> I wish that he had said his name. Oh yeah! It probably would have to us sounded like a roar like a of roar. some kind. Yeah. But you know, I w- still would have been. I want to know what it sounds like. <laughs> I want to at least hear it. Finding the right cast for the film is always key, according to Rob Cohen. No one on the production wanted Dennis Quaid to play the lead. They wanted someone popular, like an action star. There have even been reports that Liam Neeson was in talks to star in the movie, but when Cohen met Quaid. He felt like he was the right person for the job. This is not a role for an action person. No. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yeah. there's definitely action in the movie. There's sword fighting, yeah. horseback riding, battles. Mm-hmm. There is action in the movie, but this is not the role no. for like, an action movie. This is not a Chris Pratt yeah. role. No, I, and I couldn't see Mel Gibson in this <laughs> either. Yeah. It's like, no, that this wouldn't have been not, a good fit either. Yeah, this is not... This is supposed to be a... <laughs> sour, aging, annoyed, <laughs> just old knight that yep. like he's not old old, but he's like, no. you know, he's pretty tired. Past his yeah. prime. Yeah, he's tired of everyone's shit. And so yeah. he just I mean, he's this is not supposed to be some like, let's get it, like action <laughs> mm-hmm. movie yeah. star. This is supposed to be like Yeah, alright. Yeah. I guess we can Lead a rebellion. I mean, I, I prefer to make money scamming yeah, people, but, but all right. I guess Man. that's what we'll do. Like, I'm, it's not supposed to be like right. You know, it's funny that you say that. I I was trying to think of it. I don't think I could picture anyone else. Yeah. In this no. role, because I'm like, who else could could have pulled this off so well? What reminds me of is The Witcher. It's like uh-huh. a lighthearted okay. version of The Witcher. So like yes. you have okay. you have this idea of a guy whose livelihood who makes money from killing monsters. Mm-hmm. The Witcher actually does it, you know, but yeah. this is a scam. But before he was scamming, though, he was getting money for slaying dragons. Yes. It wasn't yeah. like, yeah. you know. I mean, he was going to be out of a job, though. I yes. mean, there's only one exactly. left. There's only one left. <laughs> and so, yeah. So it's very much like a lighthearted, fun 90s version of The Witcher. Yeah. Because you even have, like, Brother Gilbert is just like the guy, just like the guy who follows him around Um. and sings the song, (laughs) toss a coin to your Witcher. Witcher. (laughs) Yes. And there's a girl, and this is very Witchery. Yes. I can't remember the bard's name. Yeah, but he's... Yeah, yeah, Brother Gilbert's very much like the bard. Yep. <laughs> Maybe Henry Cavill could have done it. Yeah, I feel yeah. like Henry Cavill actually could have. I think, yeah, I think that he could have, but I, I think it, he's just he's so beautiful. I feel yeah. like <laughs> they would have had, yeah, they would have had to like I don't know, you know, and not to knock Dennis Quaid. Well, look, no, like, no, no, it's just that yeah. Let's let's say this: if they ever do another Dragonheart mm-hmm. that is trying a little harder <laughs> to pay respects to the original, <laughs> instead of just being another freaking dumb dragon movie uh, yeah 
Let's like a true Dragonheart <laughs> yeah. sequel. Maybe we'll get Henry yeah. Cavill. Yeah. Henry Cavill would be interesting yes. for sure. <laughs> He's got a pretty good sense of humor. I can yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. Quaid took the role very seriously, but also understood the humor and lightheartedness of the film. He would ad lib lines and was gracious about being dragged through the woods in a 10 pound costume on 90 degree days. Ugh. Frick. I could not do that. No thanks, man. Like physically dragged. Yeah, There's a scene like... where he's literally is being dragged yes. yeah. through the woods. Oh my oh, Well, man. I guess all that was protection for him, I yeah. guess. That's the very least. He hits yeah. lots of trees. Get some wind past your <laughs> When he asked Cohen how Bowen could relate to Draco, Cohen explained that both characters were the last of their kind. Cohen said that Quaid gave a very intimate performance. After they had this conversation. Yeah, because this whole time he was talking to tennis balls. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, how do I really relate to this character? Mm -hmm. And so he told him, well, well, think of it this way. You know, (laughs) you kill him. You don't have a job. Yeah. (laughs) Anymore. Like, you're done. And so you're the last dragon hunter and he's the last dragon. Oh, man. See, putting... Now I I get it. I get why that, like, flipped the switch in in his head, right? Because he's saying it, like, putting it that way sounds like the coolest thing to make a movie about. Yeah. Yeah. You know? The last dragon hunter meets the last dragon. And they're friends. And they're friends. (laughs) What? Make that movie. They did. (laughs) Japanese sword master Kiyoshi Yamasaki trained Quaid for his battle scene choreography. All right. You mentioned that there aren't that many action scenes like that in this movie, mm-hmm. but what there are are yeah. actually really well yeah. done. Oh, they're, yeah. They're fun to watch. Some point before Dragonheart entered production, Sean Connery had expressed interest in playing Bowen. But when Rob Cohen joined the film, he felt like no one on Earth could play a better Draco than Sean Connery. Not just because of the voice, but because of the gravitas and the humor that Connery he could bring to the role. Yeah. He's the perfect dragon. He is. He really is. It's he's absolutely embodies the character. Yeah. Yeah. It, one of the things that I love about this character is the sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I think his voice is just like <laughs> Yeah. M- m- you know, perfect. It perfectly yeah. pulls it off yes. because it sounds so sincere. Yeah. But then what he's saying mm-hmm. is incredibly yeah. sarcastic. The, there was the director kept talking about it. He was like, it's just, you know, just it, the, the humor and the drama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he kept saying and like the sexuality, like you really <laughs> he did. Feel he it. talked a lot. He about said sexuality that. a lot. Amazing. I was like, okay, all right, all right. And you, you, I do agree though, because there mm-hmm. is something to be said about being attracted solely to a voice. Yeah, yeah. And Draco Sean Connery is mm-hmm. one of those yes, voices. Yes, absolutely. They're trying to placate you with a sacrifice. Well, whoever gave them that bright idea? Never mind. Just get rid of her. Oh. Eater! Oh, please. Yeah. Aren't we squeamish? You ate Sir Eglamour, hypocrite. I merely chewed in self-defense, but I never swallowed. Improvise. David Thewlis, now possibly best known for playing Lupin in Harry Potter, brought the evil King Ainan to life. Yes. Ugh. He, you hate him so much. This is one of those villains where you just don't see... Yeah. any redemption no. you don't see why yeah. it's just power he just wants power yeah and 
it feel you feel kind of bad for Bowen because there are a few scenes where he re- you can see that he really loved him. Like yeah. he really mm-hmm. he at one point when Einan is being hororable, mm-hmm. Bowen like even like knocks him off his horse. Yeah, like, and he gives him, him this really tight hug. Like please, like stop. Yeah, yeah. stop doing this. Stop, yeah. stop it. Stop. This isn't who you are. Yeah. And it's it. In fact, it was always always the way yeah. Einan was. He yeah. just kind of fooled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just fooled him, basically. Yeah. yeah. To it. And, and it sucks, too, because we don't see how long they had been training. I mean, yeah. for a while, we know, mm-hmm. but we don't see all of that training up until yeah. he gets hurt, right? So how believable was he being, you know? Was he lying the entire time, or did he get the idea later on in the training that he wanted power. Like, there's I think, this... Yeah, I think it was just when he saw his dad die. And right. he knew That's... immediately, I'm going to have a lot of power. Right. And he just got yep. drunk with power. That, yep. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of saying. Like, yeah. what if originally he was kind of into it? He was learning the old code mm-hmm. at least a little bit, yeah. right? And that's why Bowen was so into teaching him and so like yes Mm -hmm. this kid is the future i'm gonna teach him the ways and all that stuff but then it kind of totally flipped or from the very beginning was this always his plan that's i I don't know i just i just know in the scene his dad is dying and he literally rips the crown off of his dad's head that's yeah and like his dad tries to get it back and he's like it's mine let it go like yeah he's like just die already old man. yeah pretty much (laughs) and it's like okay which actually now that you mention that Maybe mm-hmm. he was, that was his plan the whole time yeah, because he was yeah. like, fuck, now's my chance. Yeah, yeah, now's my chance. He'd just been waiting the whole time. Mm-hmm. Thulis's acting was so incredible, Cohen would sometimes reframe scenes to capture his uncut performances. He played Einan as a cunning and thoroughly detestable villain, but audiences can still see why and how Bowen had loved him. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Kara, the female peasant and the person that convinced Bowen to help them fight Einan, was played by Dina Meyer. Meyer was actually a very strong woman, which matched the strength of her character, and also depicted how a peasant woman during the 10th century would need to be strong in order to survive. Uh huh. In a lot of ways, too. Yeah. Not just physically, not mm-hmm. just mentally. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Everything, yeah. really. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. Also, Kara means friend in Gwilga. Oh, how cute. In Irish. I love it. Beloved character actor Pete Postlethwaite rounded out the cast as Brother Gilbert, the bumbling monk who wants to chronicle Bowen's adventures and ends up helping the team fight Einan. He's so sweet. He is. One of the best characters in the movie. <laughs> yeah. For <Yes>. sure. <laughs> I love I love him so much. Brother Gilbert is so funny. <laughs> He's so pure. He's just out looking for his next subject for like an epic poem yeah and mm-hmm. he's out there and he sees bowen fighting a dragon he's like perfect this is yeah. he's like he's basically the 10th century version of a reporter yeah, <laughs> yeah. of a journalist exactly. and he he's trying to like find a good feature story and he yeah. sees the dragon he's like hell yeah, yeah. this is exactly what we're talking yeah. about he's like you guys will be famous i'll be famous yeah, this, this is, is gonna work this is gonna be a great story oh man and he, huge human interest piece <laughs> <laughs> he was right yeah yeah oh yeah if your four goes up my keep come down into the moonlit oh. night oh. the titans oh. duel in mortal oh. combat oh. bound 
Oh, who'd the fatal false step make? Whose blood would stain the ground? Brother Gilbert delivers much of the comic relief in the film, though his romantic musings on Draco's fate are the last words heard in the film, providing a perfect ending. Yeah, the movie ends like he's ending his poem. Mm -hmm. So you don't really have... You don't really have a lot of the poem. You don't hear a lot of it. You hear every <laughs> once in a while, like he's riding a horse, he's falling bow, and he's like, and he pulls the sword. You know, he's yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. spitballing how yeah, he's going to ride it with as the he strength goes. of a god. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's very much like that. And it, the whole time, you know, he's kind of coming up with stuff and yeah. being very poetic. So you hear some of the stuff, and at the end of the movie, he the movie closes with his conclusion mm. of the story. <laughs> I love how he just kind of, even when he's not writing it down, just talks it out. Yeah. Like yeah. he's just narrating he's what he sees. He's trying to figure it out. Yeah. He's just like, what? He need, he's just so fascinated yeah. by everything he sees. Like, <laughs> with, with they're there at that lake in the cave and all yes, that. Yes, yes. What is he? Something like into the mouth of darkness yes. he strolled. <laughs> into he go, into it he goes. Yeah, it's, I love that so much. Death surely awaits him behind the curtain of water. Yeah, and yeah. It's Gosh. like he—he's just you know so yeah. poetic. I love him he's, so much. Oh yeah. Oh man, imagine if somebody wrote like a novelization of this movie <laughs> in his, his like, writing. Like, it would be yeah. It'd have to be yeah. from his perspective. It's like yeah. his like his full poem written out. Yes, like that. I would read the yes. hell out of that. <laughs> Uh, it's my... almost like the whole movie was him. Just... Yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Dragonheart was filmed mostly on location in Slovakia, with the actors filming for nearly five months before Draco was added to the picture. They made use of real ruins and a 10th century castle in the center of Slovakia. Hey, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Mm. The production actually helped finish the castle as part of a national monument restoration program. Huh. They followed the original architectural plans as much as possible, and in return, they were able to use the building for filming. Now that is really cool. That's amazing. It got better. Yes. <laughs> You're about to find out how accurate this movie is. Yeah. Even though it's a fantasy movie with dragons. Wow. How <laughs> yeah. cool. It's, it's actually, they tried very hard to make oh. it as authentic as possible. That's just so sweet because they like gave back to the community. Yeah, they didn't just build a set and then have to tear it down. Like, right. you yeah. know, they actually helped build something that would hopefully they put stay the castle back. Yeah, yeah basically for yeah. a long Man. time now. Oh, because so they were sweet. like, we can't have our character. Like, cool, this castle exists. We can't have our characters in a ruined castle <laughs> yeah. because it doesn't make sense. You know, no. it, it takes place in the 10th century. This yeah. would be new. You know, so they have to like, make it look new-ish. <laughs> Or at least in the process yeah. of being built. Yeah, they do that yeah. a lot too in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> The crew paid extra attention to realistic details. For example, in one scene we see a dog. They made certain that the breed of dog would have been around during the 10th century. Nice. Yeah. Ain't no pugs here. <laughs> Scenes that took place inside the castle, like the feast, were incredibly elaborate. Everything was laid out the way a king would eat his meals, and all the objects were handcrafted by artists from all over the world. Wow. Yeah, a lot of Slovakian artists got a lot of work. That's awesome. Making some of this stuff. That's pretty cool. They could be like, my art's in there. Yeah, that's my, that's <laughs> I my made goblin. That. Yeah. I made that. <laughs> Production designer Benjamin Fernandez and his crew built several elaborate sets in natural locations, like quarries and fields. 
The plants, like the wheat shown in the film, were accurate to the time period and were planted by the crew. They were planting time-specific plant like this. Wow. That yes. is detail. That is detail. <laughs> <They> couldn't. <laughs> that, that, is a, that is an impressive detail that yeah. really nobody would yeah. pick up on. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, like this historian. is 10th century wheat. <laughs> In one scene, Fernandez worked with Kit West, the special effects supervisor, to build a waterfall. It's one of the key scenes in the movie. It's the first time we see Draco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they hold off on showing Draco and because they, mm-hmm. they want to get the audience excited yeah. about it and they want everyone to get ready to yeah. see the dragon, Ooh. you know, and it was a big reveal. Yeah. Speaking of attention to detail, costume designers Thomas Casterline and Anna Shepard went above and beyond for authenticity. The crew built 10th century looms, which the team then used to weave costume fabric. Then they hand-sewed every piece together. Why would you do that? (laughs) The detail. The detail. Gosh. They built looms. And then they... Because he said they used 10th century looms. I said they found 10th century yeah. looms. Like, then, no. No, 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 no. They built them. Oh, my god! From what, what knowledge we do have of the 10th century, we know what the what the looms looked like. Yeah. So. That's incredible. That's, see, yeah. that's like. That's next level. It is. It, yeah. it really is. Like, stuff that we don't, you don't pick yeah. up on. Nope. Different details in each costume say a lot about the characters. For example, Bowen is shown in the same black outfit for almost the entirety of the movie. In the beginning, it doesn't show any wear. After several years as a dragon hunter, his clothes are tattered to show that he's lost his status as an honorable knight. Bowen wears black to signify that he is on a journey out of a dark place. The evil King Ainan wears white to signify how he has tricked everyone into thinking he was innocent and pure. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. I see. Another interesting detail is that Brother Gilbert wears a seashell around his neck, which is a way for monks to signify to each other that they had made the great pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So we know that he's gone to Jerusalem. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. It's like a secret little club. <laughs> Not so secret, though. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most impressive things about Dragonheart is that the actors were able to deliver such beautiful performances while talking to sticks and tennis balls. With a Sean Connery impression delivered by the director. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. I love it. The character Draco was designed by Rob Cohen and visual effects supervisor Phil Tippett and was almost completely animated by artists at Industrial Light and Magic. Oh, my hey. boy Phil Tippett. Oh, hey. my goodness. <laughs> you know, they saw Jurassic Park and they were like, yep. I don't even, I don't just want the tech. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. we want. I want the guy i want the people (laughs) i want them specifically yes yes Yes. rob cohen was afraid that the dragon would seem dead-eyed and not have any human characteristics so he actually went through every film that sean connery had acted in and cut out every close-up scene he organized the scenes into bins based on emotion and then handed them to the animators this way, they could model Draco's expressions after Connery's while animating the character. They were also careful to match the dragon's mouth and tongue movement with the actor as he spoke. Cohen said it was the first time that a film had a fully CG actor and that he was the highest paid actor because it took $22 million to create him. Oh my gosh. 
So I was saying earlier, like this seems <laughs> more complicated than a, than a T Rex. Yeah, yeah. This is really. I mean, if you're watching the movie, I'm. I there are moments, obviously, where you're like, oh, I see the CG. Like I yeah. see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, when he's walking next to Bowen, and you see the the physical detail, like his scales, they they it looks like you can reach out and touch them. Oh, yeah. Even though yeah. they're computer generated, you know, it's like it actually, you know, a very strong physical yeah. sense. Yeah. About Draco. Yeah, there there are a lot of great small details that build up to to put him physically there so well. Yeah. It's like, you know, they they probably built his his model this way too, where you know you have the bones and mm-hmm. the muscle and then the skin on top of that muscle, yeah. and when he makes his movements, you see. Like, you know, the skin moving as it would, right? Yes. It's it's these details that you don't think that you need, but without yeah. them it would feel incredibly weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's like why is he kind of just like floating along yeah. instead yeah. of actually like stepping on the ground, you know, carrying yeah. his own weight. Mm-hmm. And these small details do that so well and, yeah. and and allows it to hold up. And the direction that Cohen told the actors to do really helped with that too because Dina Myers was talking about how you have to picture this big head and and mm-hmm. it, this big head has two eyes and normally if you're looking at a person you can see your eyes right you know they're right there but mm-hmm. like his eyes are so far apart that she's like you would kind of just pretend to be looking between the two almost, yes you know yeah, like yeah. so it's not quite the same as looking at just a person because his head is just so big mm-hmm. that you have to mm-hmm. kind of be looking around a bit not <laughs> just, just straight stand to the side so you can yeah. just stand on his side <laughs> and look at him yeah <laughs> draco was defined by 240,000 points on the computer Dimensionally, he was 18 feet tall, 43 feet long, with a 52.3 foot wingspan. Dang. Wow. Yeah. Every piece of animation had been storyboarded, and the team started this process even before they knew it would be possible. Amazing. Wow. We believe in it so (laughs) hard. Yeah. Rob Cohen was actually filming another movie while the animators worked to create Draco, and he would keep in touch to direct them on how he wanted the character to look. So he was directing the animators, too. Nice. Even though he was not an animation director. (laughs) At the end of production, ILM created 181 CGI shots that took about 30 minutes of the film. There was a combined team of 96 animators and directors that worked on scenes for weeks at a time. Wow. Man, that doesn't sound like a lot, but with animation, it is so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 30 minutes of CGI Draco. It feels like there's so much more of him. Yeah, yeah. it feels like a lot more of him. I mean, I guess because they trick you into Mm -hmm. thinking that because they're like, oh, yeah, he's there. It's it's really well done. Like, the way the movie's paced is perfect. Although Draco was almost completely animated, animatronics were used for certain scenes. For example, when they first meet, Draco and Bowen get into a standoff that ends with Bowen in his mouth. The team built a giant animatronic mouth and tongue that they could manipulate. Dennis Quaid, as Bowen, had to be fastened to the tongue because it was so strong it could knock him out. The scene had to be shot three times in the Slovakian forest and combined animatronic CGI and rotoscoping to create one piece. Wow. Jeez. 
Why is movie making so complicated? <laughs> this is such wow. a great scene too. Oh yeah. It's when they you really get to know Draco and he's mm-hmm. in the mouth mm-hmm. and they kind of start to talk to each other and actually have form a relationship. I didn't know that was yeah. an animatronic. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, they said they had to do animatronic because at this time there was no way for a human to have so much contact with yeah. a CGI yeah. creature. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Man, I also feel incredibly bad for Draco. I mean, sure, Bowen's oh in a pretty gosh. bad spot yeah. too, but yeah. imagine having to keep your mouth open. Yes, and like it, something's cutting into the top of the roof yeah, of your mouth. Yeah, oh like God. I'll stab the roof of my yeah. mouth by accident eating like a Dorito so or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm out for the day. Yes. Yep. <laughs> A sword. Adam has an injury. He can't. And they spent like hours. I can't record. I ate Doritos. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I was going to talk a little bit about the music in this movie. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now that we've done the making of stuff. Oh, yeah. So the thing about the music in Dragonheart, dear listener, Mm -hmm. if you have not (laughs) seen Dragonheart, you have absolutely heard the music from Dragonheart. It is in everything. And once you hear it in Dragonheart, you will be like, oh my God, yes. (laughs) And you'll hear it on TV commercials and it's all over the place. Sports, everything. Yes, it's incredibly inspirational, uplifting music. Yes. Yes. And it's very similar to the music in Angels in the Outfield, which is Uh, also by Randy Eidelman. So it makes sense that they Uh, sound very similar. Yes. If you want, you could go way back into the archives of the show (laughs) and listen to, shoot, one of those. Oh, my gosh. We did a case for knowing the scores. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, those were good episodes. They were good episodes. They were fun. The score for the film was done by Randy Eidelman. Cohen praised him greatly and said he is a composer of enormous talents. It's true. Cohen chose him for his classical training, his ear for melody, and his ability to have images and music complement each other. Oh my gosh, at the end of this movie, when the stars explode, it's I cry every time because it's so pretty it's so beautiful and the music and everything it's like i mean they they the shot of people's eyes as like they're watching the stars and you see the reflections in their eyes oh my god it's so good it's some of the best honestly we we joke about using this word but i think it's some of the best cinema yeah. Yeah. out there. It really, that scene, it's it blows me away every time I watch yeah. it. Eidelman mm-hmm. and Cohen worked closely together. During that time, Cohen knew exactly what he wanted and described the feelings he wanted the music to give. Some examples of this would be tense but heroic or poignant and muscular. <laughs> muscular. Not, not what you would think. <laughs> you, would, you wouldn't think you'd get these words. Yeah, that don't really sound like they go yeah, together. Yeah, they go together. He, yeah. he writes that down and it's like, oh. <laughs> Did you say muscular? Did you say it? <laughs> I, you, I think um, I heard you wrong. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll get back to you next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> think about it. He like He's like playing it for his wife. He's like, honey, honey. Does this sound muscular? (laughs) (laughs) Uh. These descriptions made it harder for Eidelman, but resulted in a more interesting and well-done score. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Eidelman's music is so beautiful that it has been used during broadcasts of the World Olympics. 
In 2014, NBC used World of the Heart and Finale from Dragonheart in their closing credits soundtrack. Yeah. Oh wow! Not even just that. Like I'm telling yeah, you, like it's I'm still everywhere. Like, yes, it's good. It's good. It's really good. The music <laughs> is amazing. So now we've got some of the other people who were in this movie. Obviously, we went over the major stars <laughs> of this movie, but we'll mention the rest here. Jason Isaacs as Lord Felton, the second in command to King Ainan. Isaacs is an English actor known for several roles, like the film The Patriot, Harry Potter and Armageddon. Jason Isaacs is really good at playing a villain. He plays <laughs> mm-hmm. Lucius Malfoy in the Harry yeah. Potter movies, yes, if people yes. are familiar. So you have these two Harry Potter actors before Harry Potter was a thing. He's he's just really cool. Like, yeah. You know, he's yeah. just a cool actor. He's got these really pale blue eyes, and he's mm-hmm. very good at playing a villain. And this one, he's more of like a slimy guy. He's yeah. like a conniving, slimy dude, but he's smart. He's mm-hmm. much smarter than the other people that King right. Iden has. Right. Julie Christie as Queen Ashlyn. She is a British film legend known for many roles from the 60s. These include Dr. Shivago from 1965, Darling from 1965, and Don't Look Now from 1973. Then we have Brian Thompson as Brock, the brute that served both Iden and his father. Thompson got his major start as a small part in The Terminator, and has since been in many other films as small parts. He has a pretty funny line in this movie, where young Einan says, The peasants are revolting. And Brock says, They've always been revolting, Prince, but now they're rebelling. <laughs> Sorry, I could not leave that out. I yeah, think that's pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty great. So this movie, based on how much we've been praising it, you can imagine... Yeah. That it may or may not have won some awards. It's pretty good. This is a pretty good one. It is. It's it's definitely a hidden gem. Mm -hmm. The film was nominated for Best Visual Effects, but lost to Independence Day, unfortunately. But hey, guess what? Dragonheart did win a Saturn Award for Best Fantasy Film. Saturn Award. Shout out to the Saturn Awards for being amazing. Yeah, we love them. Always picking the right answers. They always pick the good stuff. (laughs) In 1997, Scott Squires won the Hollywood Digital Award for the film. Cool. And finally, Sean Connery won a Best Voiceover Performance Award from the Online Film and Television Association. I didn't even uh-huh. know that was heck a yeah. thing, but that's didn't great. Either, but I saw Sweet. it. Yeah. Like, heck yeah. He that's deserved pretty cool. it. Yes. Yes. He deserved that. According to IMDb, the budget for the film was an estimated $57 million. And the worldwide gross was just over $115 million. The movie was so popular with audiences that action figures and toys were made. I have yes. one right here in the studio. Yes, yeah. I'm looking at it now. Yes, an authentic Draco from the Dragonheart. Yes, Man. so cool. Which, thinking about how... Draco himself cost $22 million out of the $57 million. I know. Oh, yeah. It's like, that's almost half yeah, of the lot. entire budget. Imagine. <laughs> Since the first movie came out, there have been four direct-to-video movies, with some being prequels. Dragonheart, A New Beginning. Dragonheart 3, The Sorcerer's Curse. Dragonheart, Battle for the Heartfire. And most recently in 2020, Dragon Hearts Vengeance. Dude, I this is uh, it's too much. Yeah, why? Too- 
barely get right. through these. You know what, Ugh. guys? If anybody's seen the sequels, tweet at us. Please tell us what you tell think us of those. What you think? Yeah, let us know. You know, <laughs> it's funny. We we've talked about how there are a lot of collections that you can find mm-hmm. in stores of like you know all of the movies together. It, I have seen Dragonheart collections, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want that. Yeah. 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 I'd be all right with just the one. Just yeah. one. Just the one. All right. So we got a couple of little fun facts for you guys that we could fit in. A couple times in the film, Draco sings. That was actually not Sean Connery's voice. It was actually Rob Cohen's voice singing in his best Scottish accent. You know what? <laughs> He fooled me. I know. Impressive. Same. I had no idea. <laughs> Impressive. I mean, it's really cool. Yeah. The man that plays young Einan was a British actor that didn't have a lot of money. After appearing in Dragonheart, he entered the lottery and won $6 million. What the frick? Yeah. <laughs> no longer. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. And he disappeared. <laughs> oh, my Never God. Never to be seen or heard oh, from again. No. Rob Cohen's son makes a brief appearance as a young boy in the field that yells, Father, Father, look. Very Very cute. It is super cute, especially because his dad's the director. Father, Father, look. (laughs) A tennis ball. (laughs) In the early stages before the film was made, Universal let Raffaella de Laurentiis do a screen test of Draco. At the time, they wanted to make it a smaller budget, and this would mean practical effects would be better. This test was done with a specially made dragon head from the best shop around, Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Hell yeah. Of course it was. Yes. Oh. (laughs) Unfortunately, though, the cost would have been too great. There's no way. Son of a. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, there. It would have had to have been a huge suit, mm-hmm. several people piloting it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I mean, no. Oh, the God. water shots would have been. Yes. Almost impossible. It, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been a big old mm-hmm. mess. I think the best thing they could have done, honestly, was like <laughs> like a little armature and use miniatures. Yeah. Like, yep. If they were gonna do it. I will say this though: if there were anyone, if there was any yeah. people who could have pulled pulled it off, yes. the two that I would go to. Would be Jim Henson's Creature Shop and Stan Winston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mix those two together. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Match made in heaven. I think there's pictures. I was going to say, I hope yeah. there's like okay, a sketch or to, something. Hopefully, we'll, we can put we'll one try in to the put blog. those yeah, in yeah. the blog. But yeah, they had a short time to put them together and they did it. But so unfortunately, cool. it didn't work out. All right, any last thoughts on Dragonheart before we wrap this up? I think this is one of those movies that it flies under the radar. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> but when you watch it, it it finds a spot in everyone's like internal movie shelf, right? Yeah. I think it's definitely got a spot in mind because it really captures a an era and a mood mm-hmm. that yeah. no other movie that I can think of does. Yeah, the dragon is a an incredibly unique take on a, an in, like an incredibly deep lore. Mm-hmm. It's such a remarkable character. You love him very much, and it every step of the way you're enjoying him on screen. He steals the show, and he's a CGI oh, yeah. character, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But that doesn't mean that everyone else didn't do a fantastic job because they did. Everyone's at the top of their game in this movie. Oh, yeah. And 
that goes for the actors, the, the people making the sets, the people doing the CG. And it came together in such a way that it is like a shining example of what is possible <laughs> yes. in movies. And I wish people had nowadays more of a an attitude to, you know, kind of achieve this level, right? Instead of mm-hmm. just, ooh, the biggest, shiniest computer stuff with the the sexiest yeah. superheroes. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> that's kind of what movies are right now. And I really am glad that these movies, you know, as old as they are, exist. Yeah. Because we can always go back to them. And this is one that I will go back to. Mm. Uh, going along with what Adam was saying about how you did not going with the newfangled thing. It was yeah. even, they, they even talked about how the composer, he just, he didn't go with like new synthesizers and all mm-hmm. that. Like he, mm-hmm. he went very like traditional, the classical. Mm-hmm. He went with what would work with the movie. He yeah. didn't, he didn't try to make it like different or more than it was or more than it could be. Right. You know, it just made it yeah. amazing. <laughs> it perfectly encaptures what was needed for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I love Dragonheart. I love dragons. Mm-hmm. I mean, this what? was my first, probably my one of my first dragon movies or whatever yeah. that I watched Aww. as a kid. And I mean, no wonder you fell in love with them. <laughs> yeah. This is a perfect... This is a good movie to show kids, even though there is some violence. But I mean, it's yeah. nothing. It's it's not nearly as bad mm-hmm. as some of the other stuff that's yes. out now. That <laughs> Cohen actually talked about how his last movie, the Bruce Lee story, mm-hmm. he couldn't bring his son to the premiere, and he was mm-hmm. actually like really sad and bummed about that. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? I want to make a movie that I can bring my son to the premiere yeah. and actually have his son in. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> you, you know. Yeah. And he did. He did it. Yeah, this is a really good movie for the whole family to watch. And it's really, it is just super inspirational. It's super mm-hmm. sweet. It's one of those that touches on yeah. the, you know, the love, like the platonic love between men. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the time there are buddy, buddy cop movies and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But yeah. this one has that really strong relationship, even though one of them's a dragon, but he, it really, right. really strong relationship between two male characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One great thing is that in a lot of newer movies, the plot drives the relationship mm-hmm. between characters. Like all yeah. the Avengers become friends because, oh, we're all heroes and right. we're all together. Oh, we're a team now, friends now. Yeah. yeah. In this movie, the relationship drives the plot. And I think mm-hmm. that's much better yes. because mm-hmm. they didn't, they hated each other at the beginning. They nearly <laughs> killed each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they found a mutual understanding and yeah. became friends because mm-hmm. of it. And that is cool yes. and they just yeah they just the, the their love is so pure and mm-hmm. sweet they yeah. just really love each other and just it's very you know it's just a nice little movie about yeah. friendship and you know honor yeah there's morals in it you know yeah yeah it's good it's a good it's a good movie <laughs> the end credits go and then it's like draco comes up on screen now kids <laughs> what we learned today <laughs> it's like shit they brought it into America. Draco says. Dragonheart is a film that pulls you into its universe and lets you believe in magic. From the performances to the costumes to the sets, this movie stops at nothing to create a compelling cinematic experience. 
The music casts a fantastical glow on the entire production, turning this sometimes serious, sometimes quirky fantasy adventure into a story of epic proportions. But more than all of that, Dragonheart is fun. It's a great film to pop in on a Saturday afternoon. It holds lessons about honor, love, and friendship, and it sparks your imagination. It's a great watch for any fantasy fan. Not only does this movie have dragons, it also has a lot of heart. Oh, 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 wow. <laughs> oh and then one that's shared. Oh. Uh, yes, that's yeah, right. one heart between several people. No, yeah. just two, just two. Just, just the two. <laughs> but we all have our own dragon hearts. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's another case closed. Did we get it? Solid. Yeah. <laughs> Now you can grab the thing. Yeah. Okay. Now, <laughs> Before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons, Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelley, Linda, Bob, and Jaren. <laughs> oh, and Jaren. Too fast. <laughs> thank you, guys. Yes, thank, thank you. you all so much. You can now buy us a popcorn at buymeacoffee.com slash diary. And thank you all that support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. Okay, our other show, There Are No Small Parts, we're hoping will return very soon. Yes. New episodes. It's an audio drama. It's different. It's shorter than this show. Yeah. But if you like this show, please let us know. Mm -hmm. Leave us a review or just reach out to us. We love talking to you guys. There there are so many ways to reach us. And Snapchat. We're going to try to be on on Snapchat Snapchat more, too. We're trying to be cool. Yeah. yeah. It's not working, but we're going to try really hard. <laughs> Bear with us. Yeah. That's Growing right. pains. Yes, yes. We're way yes. too old to be cool, so yep. we're, we're trying. And and hopefully maybe we'll end up on YouTube's in the near future. Yes, Because a lot of people like to we're listen on YouTube. On yeah. And perhaps a brand new facelift for the website. But Yay! we'll We'll see. Hopefully. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Bye. 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 I remember it now. Those were golden years, warmed by an unworldly light. And when things became the most difficult, Draco's star shone more brightly for all of us who knew where to look.